Welcome to the Changelog episode 0.2.2. I'm Adam Stakoviak. And I am Wynn Netherland. This is the Changelog. We cover what's fresh and new in the world of open source. If you found us on iTunes, we're also on the web at thechangelog.com. Or for a real-time view, check out tail.thechangelog.com. Also head over to github.com forward slash explore. You'll find some trending repos, some feature repos from the blog, as well as our audio podcasts. If you're on the Twitter, you can follow Change Log Show, not The Change Log. And I am Adam Stack. And I am Penguin, P-E-N-G-W-Y-N-N. Such a fun interview this week with Aaron Quint, Sammy JS, a fun little uh, JavaScript framework uh, built on top of jQuery, fashioned after Ruby Sinatra. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to, to have this conversation. Yeah, since we're using it in our project uh, ourselves, it's really helped to organize our, our jQueries and uh, bring some sanity back to our JavaScripts. Absolutely. So what do you think about this, uh, this little framework? Uh, yeah, I'm excited about what it does. I mean, I think the having, especially when you talked about multiple applications of Sammy inside of one app, I think it just provides a lot of functionality that, uh, that we've really been craving but hadn't really had a, a, an ability to do. It's nice because it splits the middle between you know, adding some... Uh, some organization to your JavaScript and, and responding to events and things like that, but without getting a full bore MVC on the client like Sprout Core, some others that uh, tend to be a little heavier for a lot of projects. Yeah, I think uh, that was one part of the interview I really enjoyed was where he talked about how you can just easily integrate it or just, you know, you don't have to like make a large decision to get into it. It's just easy to pull into any project. Aaron gave us some uh, updates on JSConf as well. Bum that we, uh, we had to miss that, but we're looking forward to Texas JavaScript coming up in June. Yep, absolutely. It's going to be a fun time down there. The, the lineup is just outstanding. Well, it's a fun interview this week. Do you want to get to it? Let's do it. All right, we're joined today by Aaron Quint from SammyJS. Aaron, why don't you tell the folks who you are and why they should care? Yeah, so my name is Aaron Quint. Uh, I'm a born and raised Brooklynite, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I've been doing... Uh, Ruby development for about six years now, and uh, before that, did some PHP and um, all sorts of other fun web stuff. And uh, but recently, in the past year and a half, I've gotten really into JavaScript programming, and um, actually almost did full time JavaScript over the past couple months uh, with some little bits of Ruby thrown in. And uh, out of that, and out of kind of my desire to kind of I guess, organize my thoughts and organize these kind of JavaScript applications that I was building. Um, I kind of stole some ideas from my, one of my favorite Ruby projects, Sinatra, uh, and kind of brought those same API and the same beautiful kind of simple structure that Sinatra has into JavaScript and into kind of the jQuery world with uh, SammyJS. So Sammy is kind of a, I wouldn't say direct copy, but um, it implements a similar, a very similar API uh, to the what everyone's familiar with in the Ruby community with Sinatra, and uh, which is kind of new to a lot of people in the JavaScript community. But what it allows you to do is kind of simply structure these applications and uh, create kind of single page apps the way uh, Gmail or Google Reader and a lot of the other Google apps work, where you kind of operate on this hashtag. So that you can, you know, change the st- maintain state of a JavaScript app within a URL, but without actually reloading the page. Um, and it goes beyond that too. But that was kind of the first. That's kind of the first general overview, and then it goes a little deeper um, for sure. 
Yeah, I'm a big Sinatra fan myself, and I think that's one of the things that attracted me to it because in Sinatra, you know, it's very close, um, the routes that you respond to with the implementation that respond to those routes. And so Sammy's got a really natural DSL to, to allow you to organize that JavaScript. Um, you know, one of the, the digs on jQuery is with all this unobtrusiveness uh, when I was trying to bring a lot of my uh, fellow, fellow Rubyists into the, the jQuery unobtrusive JavaScript fray, you know, they uh, would complain about not knowing where particular functionality was coming from and where yeah. uh, elements were being hijacked. So um, talk a bit about the uh, the routes and, and Sammy uh, applications and kind of this um, uh, ability to have multiple applications on a single page. Sure. So... Um Actually, to step back a minute too, kind of a funny thing is that uh, where Sammy actually started was it actually was a. I, I'd I'd love to lie and say that it was kind of the thirty-seven signals, uh, you know, myth that you know I, I built it as part of an app and then I extracted it out into this awesome framework. Um, sure. It it wasn't that at all. Actually, it was kind of like I'd been working so much in Sinatra and talking about Sinatra and working with Blake and those awesome guys uh, in the Sinatra community. And uh, I kind of dared myself as an academic experiment to kind of uh, see if I could replicate a lot of the, the functionality in JavaScript. And first pass, I was able to do it, but then I was kind of like, okay, what do I really use this for? And it was actually this guy, Alex Lang, uh, from Germany, who started using it before I even had a really good use for it and turned it and kind of showed me kind of what I did, which was uh, organize, make make it so that this, uh, this simple API is really useful for organizing jQuery code and organizing um, and kind of building these applications from the ground up. Uh, which is very cool. So the way the way the applications kind of work is they're centered around, as you said, these routes. And a route is really um, just a, in Sammy, it's it's a path, a a verb, a path, and a callback. So the verb is kind of like your classic HTTP verb, which is get, post, put, delete. And uh, in Sammy, though, that that means something kind of different. The, uh, you know, in in since we're not actually making round trips to the server, uh, and there are no real you know get or post requests in Sammy, a get request means you're actually hitting that path, which could be part of the hashtag or could it's a kind of a location that's stored somewhere. The location changes to that path. That's a get request. The post request or actually put and delete too are all focused on forms. So if a form submission happens on the page, Sammy intercepts it with the magic of JavaScript and the magic of jQuery and turns that into this, uh, forces it through this route, which then you can respond to and you have this callback function, which allows you to, you know, execute on whatever whatever, uh, path you're working on. So one of the nice things about that, uh, just to interrupt for a second, one of the nice things that, that I've noticed about that is uh, the param handling inside of those routes. So it feels mm-hmm. very natural if you're a Rails or Rubyist to, to, to have a params hash coming from the, the form that's been submitted without having to do a lot of uh, form mapping. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think it also, in terms of just organizational, in sort of, in sort of uh, 
your mind workflow wise, at least for me, I'm, I'm realizing that, uh, it's very much a a Ruby approach and a Ruby and rails and Sinatra kind of mindset that's driving this and that makes it easy for Ruby developers. It's kind of a bigger mind jump almost for, uh, for PHP or developers who aren't kind of used to this routes approach. Um, and people I've talked to are kind of have to make that mind jump, but once they do, they understand it. And it's kind of, uh, it, it, if you think in the workflow of an application like this, where you have, you know, paths that do specific things and a path is really a state or a get path is really a state. And then a post path is like an action. Uh, when you start thinking about it like that, and organizing your code like that, like you said before, where jQuery, you know, can, jQuery applications can often become these kind of uh, chain, you know, enough chain to hang yourself, I guess you right. could say. Um, and you kind of have a whole page full of these just, you know, bindings to different elements. You know, there's no concept of really state or what page you're on or what action you're on in that in that kind of workflow. So the goal or one of the goals with Sammy is that if you start from this kind of application, you're, you're building an application perspective as opposed to, Hey, I'm just adding some behavior to this page. Um, it gives you a lot of, a lot of, uh, it gives you a lot of structure so that you can easily, you know, rethink your application or st- when you're starting from scratch, really lay it out in a way that, other people can understand it and that it's a lot easier to maintain, I would say. You know, while, while ideas have been borrowed from Ruby heavily in this, uh, we should mention that the, you know, it's got a very JavaScript flavor to it. So it doesn't feel like, you know, you, you ported one DSL from one language to the next. This is, this is a JavaScript framework. Thanks. <laughs> I think, I think um, something that uh, I really owe to jQuery in general is that you know, as a, as a Rails developer and as a Ruby developer, when I started doing JavaScript, I mean, I would played around with it forever. I've been doing websites since I was like 12. So, I mean, I, you know, I made elements on the page blink and I, you know, made little dots on the screen, follow your cursor, but that's not JavaScript in the way we use JavaScript today. Um, but then when I got into Rails, it was kind of prototype was the thing. And I, though I, though I, I enjoyed programming prototype and it kind of showed me a way and I think it showed a lot of people like kind of, oh, wow, JavaScript can actually be powerful. Um, my opinion is that uh, JavaScript, a prototype in general kind of, at least the way it is now, kind of hides a lot of the, you know, core kind of awesomeness that JavaScript has in favor of uh, making it more Ruby-ish. And so if you're a Ruby developer and you're coming into Rails and you're like, oh, here's prototype, you make this awesome kind of, you can easily translate the way you're think, you've been thinking about applications in Ruby or the way you've been thinking about arrays and enumerables in Ruby easily to um, prototype. But what happens is you kind of lose the first step, which I think jQuery at least gave me, which is, oh, in order to learn jQuery, I kind of have to learn a lot more about JavaScript. And not only that, but... Um, jQuery really only deals with a very specific subset of browser JavaScript, which is like the DOM and events. Um, And because of that, anything else you want to do, you kind of have to figure out, oh, 
I need to figure out what a function is and I want to learn how to organize my code. And that kind of leads you or should lead you into kind of learning more about JavaScript itself, which is actually a pretty awesome language. When you tell me uh, you actually pull a framework together like you have, you always come out with plugins and different extensions that sort of help you get to a certain point faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the, the list of plugins that you already have available uh, there listed in your docs, but more importantly, talk about um, your idea to architect the plugins the way that you did. Sure. So um, another thing I kind of stole from Sinatra or tried to steal from the Sinatra community was kind of this uh, – which actually actually it applies better even in JavaScript than Ruby is really kind of you know forcing myself to keep the core library as small as I possibly can, um, and you know the Sinatra guys between 0.9 and 1.0 they removed more code than they added, um, and I think that that was kind of I took that I mean it makes even more sense on the client side when when you actually have to download the file, if you can eliminate as much code as possible and make the core as tight as possible, then people can use it in more places and um, only bring in the functionality they need. So a little while back, I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? And then the beautiful power of JavaScript functions and closures dawned on me, and I realized that you know a, a SAMI application is actually just a function or a, a SAMI application block, as I like to call it, um, even though it's a closure, it's really a function that gets applied to this SAMI application object. So that's an application, but why can't plugins just be the same thing? So plugins are really just functions that are named like SAMI.something, and all you're doing is when you do this.use is you're applying the function that is that plugin to the to the application that you're including it in and adding all the helpers or whatever else you need. So Sammy has this idea of helpers, which you know you can use inside of your routes and inside of your templates. Um, and a plugin for the mo- plugins for the most part uh, add add those helpers. So right now um, the main the main plugins that I kind of use on a daily basis we have we have a bunch and they're all most of them are. Um, user contributed and I'm happy. I, I would love to get more people adding them and extracting functionality that common functionality into these plugins. But um, the main ones right now that people use are kind of the templating plugins. So we have a, a mustache plugin that's just basically kind of a, a thin wrapper around uh, Jan Landhart's and Chris Wanstroth's mustache.js. And then there's a Hamill.js one, which is Tim Caswell. From the Node community, his Hamel um, client-side Hamel parser is also has a thin wrapper. Uh, I actually just worked on this one that Ruby and Rails guys would appreciate. But in building this kind of bigger application, I was uh, yearning for some of the form helpers that uh, Rails has, specifically like being able to have a text field and have it be auto-populated with an object. So there's this new Sammy.form plugin that I just added recently that kind of tries to replicate some of the um, form helper functionality that Rails has, but as small as possible. And it's really just putting DOM nodes into strings and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, there's the one the one that I actually has been around for a while, but people don't actually know about, which I'm going to pull back into core, 
is this SAMI uh, Google Analytics plugin um, because you can actually track Google Analytics uh, or track you know hashtags and stuff like that through Google Analytics. They have a thing mainly for Flash, but it's pretty easy to adapt for SAMI apps too. One of the ones that I'm excited about is uh, Nested Params. allows you to have those mm-hmm. rich, deep object caches if you build your forms a certain way, uh, a la the Rails approach. But talk a minute about uh, SAMI storage and SAMI cache and, and how you see a front-end framework like this paired with the back-end uh, persistence layer like uh, something you would see from Couch or one of the other NoSQL stores. Sure, sure. So SAMI.storage um, is like a, a basically a really simple wrapper around all the or a lot of the options for client-side storage. So it can write to cookies, it can write to um, HTML local storage and HTML session storage, and it can also write to jQuery data and memory, um, just straight up, basically just a hash. But the idea was that all of these different um, storage engines kind of have different APIs, so I wanted to try to unify them into a simple, basically, key-value store API that I could use for storing any local data in an app. Um, I also want to kind of add, uh, I'm looking forward to adding the kind of SQL storage that WebKit has now and add that as a backend too. But um, like you were saying, it, it really it's really for local storage and almost to allow you to kind of do sessions um, and stuff like that and caching in, uh, in the browser. For backend storage, I mean, in the end, it's all just JSON being stored as key values. So ideally, the API could be extended to um, to also CouchDB or any other kind of these uh, HTTP or RESTful stores like Couch or even just a, a general Rails app that you have a, a RESTful resource and you're pushing stuff up. The only difference is that would be asynchronous. So dealing with that and how you deal with asynchronous storage is kind of a, a different question, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking to answer that. Um, in general, uh, Sammy plays really well with these RESTful and JSON, server-side JSON stores, and um, CouchDB specifically is just such a cool, has such a cool uh, API and just such a, it just seems to fit the web and Sammy so well that I think it's kind of the first choice for a lot of people who have been developing these Sammy apps to just kind of use Couch because it's it just kind of works. Um, and I'm pretty happy about that that marriage, <laughs> to say the least. You know, I don't think I got the uh, the play on words with the name until I checked out your the Twitter page, Sammy underscore JS on, on Twitter with its, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., right? As a, <laughs> yep, yep. As opposed to, to Frank Sinatra. That's a yeah, nice exactly, one. exactly, the Rat Pack. Talk a minute about you know building a successful project, uh, open source project. Um, do you think open source projects stand on their own merits, or is it key in finding influentials? Like you men- mentioned, uh, Alex Lang, and, and uh, I've seen Jan talk about Sammy before. What's the, uh, I guess the the recipe for getting a, a project over the hump and, and to a wider audience? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good question. I I don't know if I have the answer because I don't know if Sammy's quite there yet, but um, I think I think there are a lot of things. I think um, one of the main things that I I think, at least for me, browsing open source projects 
one of the things is documentation. And I think um, I have pretty decent documentation for Sammy, and I think that's one of the first things that I really worked hard on and I'm continuing to work on. Um, but a lot of projects, it's, it's really hard for, as an end user, if you're you know, browsing GitHub or just browsing jQuery plugins and whatever, whatever it is, to, um, to just really jump into something or trust something if the documentation isn't there. And uh, I think I think a lot of people neglect that and don't really spend a lot of time documenting their code. And it's really it's time consuming, but it's totally worth it because when you start documenting, at least for me, I often find that I find holes in my API or find you know ways I can make things better because if I can't really explain it in documentation, then no one else will probably understand it. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's actually tying yourself to other projects, but I think it is. Uh, it's good to, you know, be a part of a, com- make yourself a part of a community and show how you know. For Sammy, I wasn't the first one that used Sammy with Couch. Um, it was this guy Alex, but he kind of and he kind of um, realized the potential there. But since then, I've kind of pushed that and made that, you know, connection or that marriage clear. And I think that that's helped out a lot um, in terms of gaining users and getting some momentum on the project. Uh, you know, I know when I'm uh, considering a new open source project, whether or not I want to use it in one of my projects, documentation is key, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. What's your breakdown? How much time do you actually spend documenting Sammy? Because Sammy's got some really nice docs that, that talk to the API. How much, what's the split between documenting your code and, and slinging code? Yeah, it it kind of depends, but often often I'd say it's at least I spend at least. Well, I, I guess if you include you know uh, doing the working on the mailing list and responding to questions on the mailing list and responding to GitHub issues and responding to um, you know uh, people in IRC and stuff like that, if you count all that as like kind of support time and, and writing documentation all in that, I'd say it's almost like 40% writing code, 60% support, if not more. Um, once you have a project in the wild that people actually use, it's, it's great at the same time. It's, it's also time-consuming to actually support it. And I think um, I'd say, yeah, if you, want, if, you want actually, if you actually want people to use it, which if you're putting stuff out there, either you want people to use it or you're just putting it out there to kind of put it out there. And if you want people to use it, I think the... The key is getting other people involved and getting other people to kind of start. You can eventually start delegating support, but for a long time, it's it's just you. And getting other people involved means that eventual, hopeful, eventual, you know, goal of a successful open source project. Which I guess it's hard to define specifically, but it really means you know having a lot of contributors and getting a lot of people involved more than just using it. So if you want that, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's spending a lot of time documenting. And um, for me, I just kind of write a lot of inline docs and but also kind of write, try to write these tutorials too. And those are all very time-consuming. But in the end, the goal is that, you know, eventually I'll be able to delegate those tasks, I guess, to other people in the community. I was going to jump out and say it because uh, I think that anyone who's gotten this far into the podcast has got to be just thinking, 
what is the sweet spot for Samyut? Like, at what point do you decide to turn over a a JavaScript functionality to Samyut? Why? Where does where does it really fit into an application? Sure. Um, for me, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily suggest that someone takes an application that's you know totally working and rewrite it for Sammy. I think it's in general. I think it's more of a uh, it, it works better to start with it um, rather than you know try to force a lot of applications into it. However, um, it, it doesn't mean that you have to have your entire. If you're writing like a big Rails app, it doesn't mean that you have to have, or a big any kind of big server side app, and you have kind of like a a lot of different pages and features on your site. It doesn't mean that the whole site has to be Sammy. In fact, um, at my current position. Um, I we've we've begun integrating um, paperless. I mean, at Paperless Post, we've begun integrating uh, Sammy into different parts of our application. So it's not like the entire web app, which is pretty feature rich and has a lot of different parts of the site, are all Sammy JS. But we noticed that there are kind of these smaller applications within the larger application that we're using it for. So, for example, we have kind of like a inbox system where you manage the invitations and stuff like that that you've gotten. And there, it's like kind of, oh, this is a perfect use for Sammy, where you know, you're know you navigating folders, you're navigating um, different pieces of the invitation, and you're going to details. And it, it just it's a stateful thing that we can exist on a single page, and that's almost like the perfect perfect use case for Sammy. So there... You know, yeah, sorry. It's, just to continue on, on that thread, you know, it's... I love how Sammy's not an all or none proposition, yeah. right? So with other JavaScript frameworks like Sprout Core and some of these others that implement full-blown MVC in the client, you know, you kind of start with either a JavaScript entry point or you don't. With Sammy, you could come into an existing application and say, you know, I think we could take these parts of the application and really organize them and maintain state better just by dropping in a Sammy application on this page. Yeah, I agree. Totally, totally, yeah. And I, th- I think... I think the key with that is that, um, or one of the keys with that is that it's pretty small. So I mean, when you compress it, it's, I, f- I forget the number as of today, but it it's you know it's like less than fifteen k or less than twenty k, and that that makes a big difference for when you're you know building these big apps. If you want to include something, you know, if you want to include something like jQuery UI right now, that's going to be you know fifty to five hundred k almost. So if you're thinking about something like that, it's pretty it's kind of like a non-issue to include something like Sammy that's so small. And because of that, I think it's really cool to be able to just bring it in piece the application that I'm working on, the big application I'm working on, I've been bringing in, you know, piece by piece and kind of replacing or using it for these kind of smaller applications. But it also, um, I want to point out, we were talking about Couch before, and in that way, if you're building kind of these, what I like to call these kind of like full client-side applications where either, yeah, in... I know some people are, have been using it in within PhoneGap too, and within iPhone structure, and it, that's awesome. But if within Couch and the uh, Couch app framework, it's pretty awesome because it just allows you to kind of add structure instantly to uh, data that you have in your database and to kind of this building an application that exists entirely on the client side, which is something I'm really excited about. <laughs> If you, can't you really tell. have the choice in templating. You mentioned mustache and, and um, 
and uh, HamilJS and some of the others out there. But you, you really have the option still to use server-side templating if you want to mm-hmm. do that as well and just render partials uh, inline. Um, what are some of the, your other JavaScript frameworks? I know this one's built on top of jQuery. Uh, what about things like underscore JS and, and some of the others that are uh, jQuery add-ons? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, underscore is really cool. That's actually represent. That's another uh, that's another uh, New York City JavaScript uh, guy, uh, Jeremy, who built that, and also uh, CoffeeScript. And he's a uh, he's pretty he's obviously pretty prolific and does some pretty awesome stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the cool thing is because it's really just a jQuery plugin, and I really tried to make it as uh, use as few global namespaces as possible, and make it as I guess you could say, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really overlap or hurt to include it. I tried to um, make it really easy for you to build it with other, you know, UI. UI components, jQuery components, or underscore, or whatever you want, um, or even you know JQ Touch, which is the uh, the uh, iPhone library that's built on top of jQuery too. Um, even though it has its own hash kind of navigation system, you could easily use kind of the um, I guess the you know the UI elements that that come with that too. Um, but as you said, server-side templating works too, and I've, I've done that in a bunch of cases where we're really just rendering full HTML and using Sammy almost as kind of just a um, – is really just a controller to control the navigation structure and control the, um, the elements that are going to be populated onto the page. Uh, I think actually you bring up uh, – when you mentioned templating, I wanted to mention that uh, it's actually – that's the – Right now we're at Sammy 053, and I'm going to get 054 out hopefully in the next couple of days. But I, I've been wanting to hit 1.0 just because I know a lot of people are already using it in production. And according to Tom Preston Warner's uh, semantic versioning spec, if someone's using it in production, it should be 1.0. So I feel a little bad about that. Um, so I'm hoping that we can hit 1.0 pretty soon. And kind of the big thing that I want to fix for 1.0 is the templating system. Cause I think right now though it works, it, um, it doesn't, it doesn't do as much as I wish it could. And it doesn't actually from, we were talking about support before and from a support perspective, I've been spending, you know, I'd say out of the, you know, 60% time that I spend on support, I spend 40% of that or no, like 50 or maybe even 60% of that time dealing with questions around the templating system and, rendering and partials and stuff like that so that that's kind of a smell to me that we should do something about it so i've been kind of stealing ideas and building up a kind of interesting what i think will be an interesting approach to how we handle templating is based on um some of the work that dave Furps is doing for uh, lab.js and uh not lab.js sorry sexy.js which is a cool kind of uh sequential ajax plugin and also uh, kind of the stuff that Tim Caswell has been doing, uh, CreationX for the step library and the do library and how he, how he does these really interesting kind of um, work with continuations and using functions to kind of progressively, progressively, to kind of progressive Ajax, I guess you could call it. So tell us about uh, JSConf and, and uh, making bacon. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I mean, JSConf was 
awesome. I'm sorry you guys weren't there. You would have had a great time. Um, it I I can't say enough how awesome Chris Williams or Voodoo Tiki got on Twitter to organize the whole thing and how awesome a job he did. Uh, uh, I don't know. I've been to a lot of conferences and a lot of regional conferences and a lot of bigger conferences. And this JSConf is really like kind of this perfect middle where it feels almost like a hacker conf, but as opposed to kind of, you know, young guys or, you know, guys who are, you know, not that experienced or just kind of trying in there to learn. It feels like there are a lot, everyone's there to learn, but everyone there is us. I mean, I can't speak for myself, but everyone I met was some kind of on some kind of other level of awesome. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, between Brendan Ike and, Crockford, who kind of bailed really early, but every single talk was just awesome. And even beyond the talks, just the one of the best things I think about JSConf is the hallway track, as you can call it. And um, I just spent a lot of time hanging out with a bunch of really, really talented JavaScript developers and hearing about their projects and listening to their opinions. And um, it was awesome. Uh, if you didn't see, I did a my talk was a little off subject. <laughs> Chris kind of dared me to do, or not dared me, but uh, we had a kind of long ongoing uh, challenge going on that he said, he told me that if I talked about bacon or make, if I made bacon on stage at JSConf, then he would let me be a keynote speaker. Um, so we worked out something and unfortunately the hotel wouldn't actually let us cook bacon on stage. Um, but we, uh, I did a little presentation, and I tried to actually tie it back into the JavaScript community about how heritage foods and the whole slow food movement, um, the JavaScript community and the development community in general should take some ideas about sustainability and uh, uh, knowledge and respect from that community too. Uh, in general, it was a lot of fun. I think um, you've probably seen some pictures and some blog posts, and it's it, I'm I'm still it's it's almost been a week since it or it actually had tonight as of tonight it'll be a week since it started and i'm still not done digesting or processing all the information that i that i got out of it a lot of bacon flying around in the irc channel right now too (laughs) so talk a minute about uh this renaissance in javascript that we've gotten uh, over the i guess the last few months maybe over a year it seems like um you know we've we've got it on the client with with jquery and prototype before that and some of these other frameworks that made uh, JavaScript suck less, but now it's really being embraced as a, a new-ish language and, and being used on the server. And uh, see that you guys have a New York uh, NYC.js meetup. We've got a Dallas.js. You see, I mean, the thought of a, of a JavaScript meetup five years ago would have just been crazy. <laughs> right? Totally. So what's yeah. fueling all of this? I, th- I think there are a lot of things. I think, one, the, the simplest, you know, the simplest explanation is just that one, you know, browsers are just getting exponentially faster. So Chrome um, and Chromium is just an order of magnitude faster, at least for a little while it was. Every, everybody else is slowly catching up, but faster than everyone else, and that was already faster than every browser a year before that. So I think, um, I think for client-side at least, now that we can actually build kind of really complex applications and even, you know, 3D and OpenGL and Canvas stuff, which we couldn't have even dreamed of two years ago, people are, are starting to see, oh, you know, we don't have to build a Java applet or we don't have to necessarily build an entire 
Flash application to sit on top of our um, server-side application. And because of that, you know, it's just like, wow, you know, JavaScript developers, there's actually a need and desire for talented JavaScript developers now that there wasn't two years ago. On the server side, I think, um, you know, server-side JavaScript has actually been around for a really, really long time. It's just almost the same thing. There was never a, everyone kind of thought it was a joke because if you ran Rhino, you know, everyone says Ruby is pretty slow, but Rhino was like an order, like another level of slow. Like if you tried to run, um, I guess, uh, XJS or NVJS or one of these really early server-side JavaScript frameworks, it, it was really slow and it was fun because, hey, I'm programming JavaScript on the server but there wasn't any actual, um, you know, you couldn't actually use it in production. It was just too slow. But now with Node, which is also based on, you know, Chrome's V8 too, the speed is just incredible. And not only speed, but this idea of kind of invented applications is kind of, I think, where a lot of people think the web is heading, which is, you know, kind of these real-time or, uh, real-time or collaborative web applications that Node and these kind of server-side and pairing in with the client-side frameworks allow you to have. But I think, I think I, what, I, what I, I would say what I really love about the JavaScript community is it brings together some of the best, um, some of the best minds in all these different communities. Whereas if, you know, you go to a Ruby meetup or you go to a PHP meetup, um, everyone's kind of just doing everyone's doing something different and working on different projects, but everyone's kind of doing very similar things, you know, especially in, in the Ruby world. It's like, okay, you go to a Ruby meetup and 90% of the people are doing rails. And if they're not, then they're working on something else or they're teaching. And, you know, obviously it's great to talk to people who have a lot of things in common, but there's not as many new ideas, I think being tossed around as in the JavaScript community, in the JavaScript community. Like I went to jQuery conf last year and JS conf this weekend too reminded me of this, but it's just, you know, you have so many people whose day job isn't necessarily full-time JavaScript. It's it, it might start becoming full-time JavaScript, but you know, you have people from the .NET community, you have people from the PHP community, and everyone kind of has their own ideas that they're bringing to the table. And beyond that, some people are using jQuery, some people are using prototypes, they're the cappuccino guys, and it's just like it's it's just so cool because everyone has so many different ideas to share and really um, learn from each other. And it's it's just a really exciting thing to be a part of right now, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I think open source is a, is a pretty wild world to be in, and there's lots of lots of movement. But uh, on that note, and open source software, what's on your radar? What's got you excited about uh, um, the next big thing or whatever you're, you're really excited about in open source? What's on your radar? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think uh, uh, right now I'm kind of, after JSConf, one of the big things that I took away was kind of performance and um, and really thinking about front-end performance. And some of the things that uh, tie into that are uh, Kyle Simpson's or Getify's Lab.js um, framework, which is, you know, kind of like a progressive download and, um, you know, loading framework, which is pretty cool. And he says he's working on some even cooler stuff after talking to him. Um, so I'm really keeping an eye on that and hoping I can bring that into some projects. I'd say, you know, Couch App, I, I've been a fan of for a while, but Jay Chris, um, the, the one of the main Couch, Couch TV guys and Jan are both um, 
working on making Couch App like an actual usable thing and kind of building frameworks within Couch App and this Evently framework that's part of Couch App now um, is kind of has steal some ideas from Sammy JS and at least they uh, they admitted that which is cool but it uh, it's pretty cool and it has some pretty cool functionality built into it. Um, I think I mean I'm still keeping an eye on Node and I'm I'm ready to. I'm ready to. I'm, I don't think I'm ready to jump ship from Ruby anytime soon. But um, I've been I've been playing around with it for you know over a year now, and it's I'm I'm looking forward to it actually stabilizing so that you know a lot of people can start building like real um, a real standard lib almost on top of it, so that you know people who actually want to use it for full blown applications can really really make use of it. I think. Um, on top of Node, there's the Fab framework, Jed Schmidt's Fab framework, and he talked about it at, uh, he gave an actually an awesome, awesome presentation at JSConf that he, he gave a presentation actually at NYCJS about um, four or five months ago, and I talked to him about it then, and we watched it, and then I can't think everybody kind of left and was like, oh, what? <laughs> kind of had a funny reaction to it because it it's a very interesting style of you, basically turning JavaScript into almost like a lispy, a really lispy type of DSL. Um, but he's worked on it a lot since then, and his presentation at JSConf was pretty incredible and really did an awesome job of explaining how it worked. So I, I urge anyone to check that out if they're interested in it. Now, I'm actually really excited about doing the show notes uh, when we uh, do this episode in post just to find all the links to a lot of the cool projects that you mentioned because... Um, you know, Adam and I tend to stay on the bleeding edge, but there's a lot of projects that you mentioned that uh, aren't on my radar yet, and I'm interested cool. in checking them out. Yeah, when uh, make a note to get the one from uh, TP Dubs. Is uh, what was that again, Aaron? What did you say that the, it was his list of? Oh, uh, yeah, the s- semantic that's versioning. Oh, so, semantic versioning. That's a Simver. good one. Yeah. Semver dot org. Yeah, it's uh, it, I mean, he put when he put it out there, it was kind of like a. Uh, you know, kind of just pulling together ideas of, you know, how people have been doing it for a while. And I don't think even he would say that it's something new, but it, it's cool for these kind of, um, for me as a young developer, and I think for everybody else who kind of maybe hasn't been around in the open source community for, for forever, to kind of put kind of meaning behind the x.y.z numbers that everyone uses. Yeah, I know we're using that as a guide over on the uh, the Twitter gem and some, and some others. And, uh, it's not like you mentioned with Sammy. It's not always uh, easy to do, but uh, I'm glad there's you know kind of a framework out there for giving meaning to to the ones, zeros, majors, and minors. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, really excited about using Sammy uh, on a couple of different projects, and then uh, when we uh, stumbled across it, we just wanted to have you on and, and share the word with uh, the rest of the audience. We appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I, I uh, I'm a big fan of the show too. So excited to be on. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Changelog. Point your browser to tail.thechangelog.com to find out what's going on right now in open source. Also be sure to head to github.com forward slash explore to catch up on trending and feature repos as well as the latest episodes of The Changelog. Changelog.